0: like to get a head start, go to Mark chapter 10, if you would, this morning, Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 17 and 18. Today, Jesus was on the road to Jerusalem. It would become the final journey to that earthly center of Christianity. It was the Passover season and But this Passover was different because he would be the Passover lamb that would be slain, not just as a symbol, but as the real forgiveness of sins. As he was walking along with his disciples, all of a sudden, a young man in very nice clothing runs up not just standing off, but runs over to him. Evidently, he was someone who was important. His clothing, his demeanor, his people around him suggested he was more than just a commoner. The scripture ends up saying that he was a rich, young ruler, meaning he was the leader of the local synagogue, a place of great respect. Here he was running. Middle Eastern men of that kind of standing did not run, but he ran. He ran towards Jesus. It must have been a commotion. And then of all things, he kneels at the feet of this this rebel rabbi. Known as Jesus, some even called him Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. Kneeling at the feet of a rabbi, and he said to him, "Good Master!" Oh, a shock wave went across that group. Oh, you just called Jesus good. Any self-respecting Torah-believing Jew would never call another man good. Only God is good. Only the law of God is good. And yet he said, good master. It was such a shocking moment. And whether he understood the full ramifications of that or not, we don't know. In fact, it seems like he did not, as the rest of the story indicates. But Jesus used that moment to teach on one of the attributes of God. And we're in a series known as Who is God? Some people think God is this. Others think he's this or that. But we go to Scripture, our source document, the only reliable place to find out who God is. He is eternal. We found out last week that our God has foreknowledge, which means He loved me before the foundation of the world. When you know about God, it's life transforming. And so Jesus uses this moment to teach a vital truth about God. God is good. God is good. In fact, rightfully so, He is the only one who can be called good. It has been said many times God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Say that with me. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And that's a common saying that many people have, and it's Very true. Let's go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Why don't you read it with me together? Ready? Begin. Let's read it out loud. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that they inherit eternal life? Good master. The word master there means teacher. Good. It is the Greek word agatha. An old uh, name, uh, some you may have uh, read or seen the Agatha uh, was it Christie Agatha Christie uh, novels uh, the word Agatha is the word truth, or internally good, inherently good. the word the Greek word Agatha means a person who by their very nature is good not declared to be good or thought to be good, but full and good all the way through. Now, if there's ever a a word that nobody understands, almost nobody, it's the word good. When we say the word good, we might think something is pleasant or something tastes good. But in Scripture, the word good means inherently good. It means All the way good. It means infinitely good. Now, as a human, we never mean or rarely mean, I'm infinitely good. If you were to ask uh, the average person on the street, Are you good? 99% of the people would say, Yes, I'm good. And the reason they say that is because nobody understands the Bible truth. Of goodness. To them, good means not a murderer or not uh, some sexual deviant. I am good. But Jesus clarified it as he very succinctly does. He said, Good? You're calling me Agatha? Teacher? You're calling me a perfect, holy, no blemished teacher? Is that what you're really saying? Or are you saying good in the sense of the world? Because really every uh, human has a different understanding of good. In fact, every civilization, in fact, every nationality has a different understanding of good. If you were to ask an American if this person is a good person, they might mean, uh, you know, no criminal or Many people equate, especially in America, the, the dollar with somebody who's good. The more dollars you have, perhaps the better you are. If it was a Greek culture, it might be education. If you were a highly educated person, you were good. If you were in the Middle Eastern culture, it's about respect and honor. And so an honorable person is a good person. But Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. And when you think about it, really, we misunderstand good so often. It's a a subtle way, but have you ever been asked if you would like maybe at a restaurant and they say, would you like some more water in your glass? And you'll say, oh, no, thank you. I'm what? I'm good. (laughs) A inaccurate statement. I'm not good. No, I am sinful. I am a sinful person. By the grace of God, I have been made uh, saved, and I have my name written in the Lamb's book of life. But isn't it interesting how even the devil, in small ways, subtle ways, and maybe not even an important way, but I think, uh, I know one Christian man said, when this dawned on me, I don't say that anymore. I say I'm satisfied, or I'm fine you know, with uh, what I have, but I, no longer do I say, I'm good. Because Jesus said, there is only one good. Now, if we're going to understand God's goodness, I think there are four keys. Let me give those to you this morning. Number one, the explanation of God's goodness. Good master, in verse 17, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. What does it mean to be good? It means, first of all, excellent in character. Are you writing this down? And number two, it means useful in effect, excellent or perfect in character, and absolutely entirely useful in effect. Both of those definitions can be found powerfully in one verse. Look at Psalm 119, verse 68. Thou art good you're a good God. You are perfect. You're holy. You're without any sin. You are good. You are the definition of goodness. Thank God for Jehovah God. He is good. But notice what it says next, and do good. Everything that God does is good. Everything that God gives me is good. It may not feel good. It may not seem good, but I can trust it that it is good, because God, Jehovah God, can never do anything but good. He is good. His nature is good. His wisdom is good. His love is good. God is good. And because He's good, everything He does is good. And that means if something good happens in my life, I can't take any credit for it. I can't bless the stars. Oh, the stars lined up. I can't say, oh, you know, I was lucky. Folks, anything that happens that's good, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. That's God who gives a good husband or wife. It is God who gives us good food. Anything good, if I get a promotion, I take no credit. I worked hard, don't deny that. I may have done what I can, but it's from God. If I'm healthy, it's because God is good. Every happiness is from God. And that's what the blue collar pastor, Brother James, said in James chapter 1 and verse 17. I like James. If there ever was a fellow who wore blue denim jeans, it was James. Look at verse 17. Every good gift. What, what good gift have you gotten? Every, notice twice, every good gift, every perfect gift is always from above, it cometh down from the Father. That's why Jesus said to this man, nobody is good but God. If you're calling me good, then you are calling me God. What does it mean that God is good? God is, and this would be good to write down, this I think is probably the most uh, enduring definition of God's goodness. God is infinitely, innately, and immutably good. He is infinitely, meaning to the extent of perfection. He is innately, meaning it is His nature from, from eternity past to eternity future. It is inherent in him, and it is immutably good. He is n- always good and will never change. That is the best definition of God's goodness right there. Now, that's not mankind. We are not good. <laughs> in fact, the great apostle Paul, you talk about a holy man of God, a great man of God, and yet Paul said this in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good nothing good in me. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. There's nothing good in me. You're a good man, no good in me. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying I may not do good things. I'm not saying I'm not a good person. I'm just saying it's not me. (laughs) It's not me that does anything good. It's anything good is what God is doing in and through my life humans are incapable of producing good. Let me say that again. Humans are incapable of producing anything good. The book of Proverbs says that for an evil man, a wicked man, even the plowing of that man is evil. He does it for an evil purpose or an ungodly motive. It may be plowing, it may be farming, And it looks like it's a good person, but if that person is not doing it for the right reason, for God's reason, the Bible says it's not a good thing, because in me dwells no good thing. You either believe that or not. All these precious little toddlers, yeah, but you let that little baby that's eight months old and looks at you and coos and you're just like, that is an angel. That's not a baby. That's an angel. You give that baby about one year and you'll be saying, that's a demon. That's not an angel. That, there's nothing, That there's no good that dwells. And you'll, the reality of uh, Romans 7 will come full circle. In my flesh there dwells no good things. In fact, folks, it is all how we measure goodness. There was a little fellow praying at bedtime, dear God, help me be a good boy. <laughs> but you be a good God too, for sure. But you know what? God needs no reminder to be good because He cannot be anything else. I love that passage in Exodus 33, when God was talking to Moses and He said, tomorrow, you're going to see my goodness pass before you you're going to see my goodness pass before you. The rest of that verse says that God's truth, God's graciousness, God's mercy. Oh, wait a second. Then really, God is gracious because he's good. God is merciful because he's good. God is wise because he's good. All of the attributes of God actually flow out of God's goodness. We're glad we have a good God or we wouldn't get mercy. If we didn't have a good God, we wouldn't get his compassion. God is full of mercy and God is full of grace because of his goodness. Look what it says in Psalm 135 verse 3. Praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. Wake up and say, God, you are good. Sing to his goodness. Goodness can only be measured by God. God is the gold standard of goodness. Other people measure their goodness by the badness of other people. But with God, he is the standard. A little boy came to his mother and said, Mommy, I'm eight feet tall. And she said, but Really, you're eight feet tall? And he said, Yes, I am. I'm eight feet tall, Mom. Really, honey, you're eight feet tall? He said, Yes. Why are you laughing? She said, Well, honey, you can't be eight feet tall. It, uh, what are you using to measure yourself? And he went over and he got a little six inch ruler and he said, Mommy, I'm eight feet tall. <laughs> he had a bad measuring uh, standard. And folks, That's what mankind does. We say, look at me, I'm good. Well, that's because we have a very pathetic little ruler. And so the explanation of God's goodness. Number two, the examples of God's goodness. Throughout scripture, we have examples of it. This man said to Jesus, he said, good master. Jesus stopped him and said, wait, 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 hold the horses right here you are calling me good, then are you saying I am God in the flesh because only God is good? And we have many examples in Scripture that God is good and perhaps nothing more powerful and and more important than Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, seven different times in that one chapter, God said, it is good. He made this earth and it is good. God made the animals and saw that it was good. And finally, he summed it up in verse 31 of that chapter, and God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. When God made this earth, it was good. Now, I know today there are some problems in the earth, but that's not because of God. Because I promise you, when God made this earth, it was good. It was very good. There were no hurricanes in God's creation. There were no droughts in God's creation. There were no wildfires in God's creation. God created only good. And you know, even though this earth has a, 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 a sanction against it from, because of man's sin, yet we still see the residual effects of this good God. Every morning we wake up and we can hear the beautiful birds singing. I looked out there this morning and the gold colored leaves and red and just the beautiful uh, cool air against my face and the beautiful blue skies and the fluffy clouds. And God is good to have given us such a world. At midnight, you go outside and see all those stars. Like a big, beautiful chandelier hanging up there and the moon there. I mean, folks, God is good. He is so good to give us all of those things. There is no end to the goodness of God. Psalm 33 and verse 5, the earth is full of the goodness of God. Every time you go outside, don't look outside and say, boy, isn't it beautiful out here? Walk outside and say, isn't God good to give us such a beautiful day? because it's all from God. God gave us all this goodness. We didn't create this world and nature didn't just pop into existence. It is spoken by the Word of God. God is good. and Nothing could be any more beautiful and powerful and such an evidence of the goodness of God than a human being, a human being, The crown of God's creation. God created man and then created that beautiful woman. And he gave them life and breathed life into them. And the crown of creation is the human. Our bodies are amazing. Our minds are amazing. And the spirit of a person, the will of a person. Nothing is so amazing and beautiful as how... It is when people come together. and I mean, I'm all for whales and dolphins and beautiful little animals and trees, but friends, there is nothing that comes close to a beauty of a human life that's full of purpose and joy. And just the people coming together, accomplishing things and producing things. Folks, God is good. And God is good not only to those who believe him, but he's good to all. Look what it says in Psalm 145 and verse 9, the Lord is good to all. The Lord is good to all. Aren't we glad that he is? Because there's some times when I don't deserve his goodness. And that's what Paul proclaimed in the New Testament in Acts chapter 14. He was preaching to mostly unbelievers in this little Turkish town of Lystra. And there he said, know this, every drop of rain, God. Every ray of sunshine, God. Every food you eat, God. Look at what it says. Nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness, in that he did good. He gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with good and gladness. The apostle Paul encouraged Pastor Timothy, his young predecessor. He said, Brother Timothy, he said, I want you to know something. Every time you eat one of those lamb chops, you need to thank God. Every time you bite into one of those beautiful ribeye steaks, you need to know this is God. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. Every teacher, pr- creature of God is good not to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And there are general benefits, but then there are specific benefits. Look what it says in Psalm 31 and verse 19, for those who serve the Lord, for those who honor Him. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. And I will tell you, when you become a born-again Christian, all the general benefits that we have just because we're human, you'll be amazed at how God will just day after day, just drop fatness, as it says in Scripture, little drops of just beautiful things that God gives you. I can tell you that and Pauline and I have had so many stories of God's goodness since we've been married. I go back a few years and remember when Lynette and I had first been married, and we were like so many other young couples back in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, and didn't have a lot of resources in our hands. And I was on staff at a church, and it was pretty much the folks that could, they would sometimes go out out afterwards, and we were there, we didn't have any children, just her and I, we didn't have, I mean, I mean, hardly had a 50 cents to our name, it's just, I was going to college, and Bible college, and had a, a little business, and she was working, volunteering at a place, a little credit union, a Christian credit union, I mean, we didn't hardly have anything, And uh, it was, I remember this one time we, after church, uh, everybody was going someplace and we kind of sat in the car and I felt real bad because, you know, as a husband, you want to provide. And so I thought, well, and I said, well, honey, I don't know. I, I wish we could. And I looked at her and just about that time, somebody from the church drove by. We were sitting in the car and they drove by and they honked and we looked up and they smiled rolled down the window, threw out a $5 bill, and then drove off. And uh, I I just looked at that, and both both of us, I just thought, isn't God good? Little thing, but I tell you what, that's a good God who does that. That's a good God. I mean, God just chases us down with his goodness. I love what Ray Stedman says about Psalm 23 and verse 6, where it says, Surely in goodness and mercy are following me. He said, those are God's (laughs) sheepdogs. God's sheepdogs. I looked behind me and one of them was named goodness and the other was named mercy. The next next twins we have born in our church, they ought to name them goodness and mercy. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Goodness and mercy. God's sheepdogs. Because you know what those sheepdogs do. They nip at your, those little sheep, little uh, heels there and keep them in line. God's goodness keeps us in line. God's mercy keeps us in line. If it were not for the goodness of God, where would we be today? The goodness of God, His goodness is an ocean that has no shore, a mountain that has no summit, a road that has no end, but not meager, but much, not skimpy, but sufficient, not little, but limitless, not barely, but bountiful, not feeble, but full. Friends, we can trust our future to a good God the explanation of God's goodness, the examples of God's goodness, and now strangely, the exception to God's goodness. As strange as it sounds to me, and probably to you, some people do not believe that God is good. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan whispered in Eve's ear, God isn't good. God isn't good because he knows that if you eat of that tree, it won't, it won't be good for him. He doesn't love you. He is not a good God. And so many people, uh, they don't uh, think that God is good. About a decade ago, a bitter journalist from England, Christopher Hitchens, wrote a famous book, bestseller, God Is Not Great. You may have heard of the book, and his whole point is that religion and God really has caused so much and really is a there's so much trouble in the world. I read a little bit about Mr. Hitchens and found out that he actually grew up in an evangelical home, but about 10 years old, he just got a chip on his shoulder, got bitter about God, maybe disenchanted from parents, or I don't know what it was. But in order to calm the Holy Spirit's conviction, he set out to say, no, God is not good, But there's a major problem with his concept. He mistakenly equated the goodness of God with the rightness of circumstances. When we say God is good, we're not saying circumstances are good. When I say God is good, I'm not saying all the evil in the world is good. Who says that? Is that your idea of who God is? That's ridiculous. That's not God. God's not the author of evil. God's not the author of sin. God's not the author of all the crazy stuff that goes on in this world. No. My friend, we lay that square at the steps of the human race. God is good. But because of God allowing mankind freedom, humans screwed up this world. We screwed it up big time. You'd say, "Well, if God was good, He wouldn't let it happen. If God did that, then He would create a world of robots and a world where nobody got to do what they wanted to do. It would be like living in California." <laughs> but anyway, that's exactly that's what would happen if God made it so that nobody had a choice and nobody could do what they wanted to do. That's not the way God works. God says, you have a choice. You can accept me or not. You can deny me or not. It's funny how we misunderstand goodness. People, when something bad happens, we'll say, why is God punishing me? And when something good happens, we say, God must really love me. Folks, you need to know something if you get sick and you get better, God is good. If you get sick and it takes you a long time to get better, God is good. But my friend, if you are sick and for some reason you die, God is still good. God is good. My circumstances... Don't change the nature of God. He is good. And people have made exceptions in saying, God is not good if life is not good. Because for us, if God is good, then every day will be happy. Every day will be fun. Everything I do will be successful. I'll ever get everything I want. (laughs) That's a candy store life. That's like, that's like when I was a little guy and went to some of those old-fashioned candy stores. <gasps> oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. I want to live in the candy store. It's so good. I live in the candy store. That's a candy store lifestyle. Folks, who lives like that? Nobody lives like that. And in fact, you don't want to live like that. If we don't have a little bit of pain we don't turn out right. Look what it says in Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that all things work together for good. Why? Because God is good. And he works things together for good. But people oftentimes misunderstand Romans 8:28 because they don't attach Romans 8:29 to it. Those two have to go together. Look what it says. God for whom he did foreknow he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son <laughs> so i get it yep god's not saying everything is good he's saying it's working for good it's painful yes but it's good we need pain we don't like pain but we need pain <laughs> And I, every once in a while, I have to go to a dentist. I do not like dentists. I, well, I actually, I have a love-hate relationship with my dentist. I love him when he takes care of business, but I, I, I don't like the, what he does. It's painful. Now, when they give you a shot in order to do a filling, they'll put a shot in there, and it's going to stay numb for a bit. And now, what do they tell you? They tell you now, and they have to look me in the eye because they know how much I like to eat, and they say now, Pastor, you cannot eat anything for an hour. Now, why is that? Because they have uh, drugged up my cheek and my tongue and my lip. I don't feel any pain, a life without pain, but a life without pain, if I'm not careful, I'll just chew my lip right off. Think it was a big old piece of meat. Pain is powerful. Pain is needful. Pain is part of making me conformed to the image of Christ. You don't take a diamond and just to just a, it's a perfect diamond. You take a little hammer on it, and a saw on it, and file on it. And God's always hammering on us and filing on us. And it's good. It's good. Psalm 119, verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. Now, finally, our expression to God's goodness. We've explained it. We've gotten some examples from it. We've understood exceptions to it. And now, how are we to express it? Let's turn, if you would, please, to Ezra chapter 3. And I want you to really track with me on this one, because uh, this one has some very, uh, I think, uh, very meaningful to us. This group of God's people had been longing to be in a temple they had been hoping that they could go back to their homeland. They had been in captivity. And for so long, they had been put under. Things were not what they wanted them to be. And it was not easy for them. And now, finally, they come back to Jerusalem. God's people back in their homeland. And the first thing they do is to build a temple, you can't have a life without a church. You have an empty feeling if you don't have church. Let's build a church for God. And look what it says, verse chapter three and verse 11, and they sang together by course in praising. They were doing, someone would sing over here, some would sing over here, someone would shout Thanksgiving, someone would shout over there. And they gave thanks unto the Lord. Because he is good. For his mercy endures forever. All the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house was laid. Now, were they thanking the Lord of what a beautiful place it was? No, actually, it was just a foundation. It was the temple was to come. Were they thanking the Lord that they had all this beautiful place? No. They knew what this meant for their nation. They knew what it meant for the future. People say, are you excited that you have a beautiful new building? Yes, it's extraordinary, really. I mean, not only is it functional, but it's just dead on beautiful. I mean it is a five star church. You you just wait. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't been in there, even if any of you have been, you know what I'm talking about. It is absolutely drop dead gorgeous pretty auditorium. But friends, that's not what's beautiful to me. As much as I'm grateful for it, I'm promising you for me and especially at my age, I know what this means for future generations. I know that there is a beautiful, safe, paid-for place where people are going to hear the Word of God, not the book of Koran, not some writings from some Eastern mystic, but the blessed Word of God. They are going to hear week after week from a man of God and from women of God who stand and give testimony to God's goodness. Is that not reason for shouting? I don't know why. Look what it says there, Psalm one hundred six, verse one: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That is the Hebrew word halal. Halal is the basis for hallelujah, and halal means to to celebrate. It means to rave. It means to actually means to boast. Actually, in some places that is translated boast. God says we are to boast about God. So we're to boast in times like this. Because we're good? No. Because it's good? No. We are to boast about the attributes of God. Not so I can boast. I'll tell somebody out in the world, I'll say, I am going to heaven. Well, that's kind of proud of you to be so thinking you're going to heaven because you're so good. <laughs> I do not think I'm going to heaven because I'm good. I know I'm going to heaven because God is good. And I was born again and he washed away my sins. A uh, good God is a merciful God. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks. Oh, I love that's my favorite pair promise. Oh, because I can always pray that. Oh, I get up in the morning. Oh, oh, I'm praying. You're complaining. I'm not complaining, honey. I'm praying. Oh. 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 No, it's it is an exclamation of the heart. Oh, God, I give you praise. We live such depressed lives because we're Worried about the virus or we're worried about the economy or we're worried about the White House or the Congress, folks, that comes and goes, but I promise you, God doesn't. He is good. I think we ought to sing that little song once in a while. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Wouldn't it change our lives if we would rehearse the goodness of God? All of us can sing, God is so good. And when we have the money we'd like to have, God is good. But when I don't, and when I wish I had five dollars, to go have a dinner. Or when I feel good, I say, God is so good. But when I don't feel good, and when my loved ones are sick in the hospital, God is so good. I'm going to ask our worship team to come, and would we sing that chorus together?